from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. What is up, people, and good morning from Brooklyn, New York, here with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Happy to be here with you every single Monday through Friday, typically every single Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. And this week, we're making things a little bit more interesting, more exciting, more innovative, and you know something that I love to do, and that is to cover championship week. I'm down at the ACC tournament in Brooklyn, New York, and that means that Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora is live on location in Brooklyn, and we are here for the ACC tournament as well as championship week as a whole with all these different things going on. And, of course, I'm watching the games and seeing what's going on around the country as I get my bracketology ready and get ready to predict to you who I think is going to go where and into the bracket and this, that, and the other, and who are the 68 teams. So it is a very, very eventful week for me. And Wake Up Call, which is typically Monday through Friday, adds a day while we're down here in Brooklyn, New York. So we are here today, Tuesday, March 6th, and we'll be going all the way through Saturday, March 10th, so we're going to give you an extra show. It starts off at 9 a.m. Eastern time every single day like you're used to, so you will get Tuesday, March 6th through Saturday, March 10th at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Wake Up Call will be live on location in Brooklyn, New York, as we cover the ACC Tournament and Championship Week right here on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. And another thing that I've been doing for the last couple of years, and I will do it again this year, is that during championship week, I'm joined by former Syracuse basketball players on every single episode of the week. Every single one. So it's something that we do that's innovative, it's different. I started it in Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago, and I've continued it on since then. So started it in D.C., did it again in Brooklyn last year, and we're doing it this year. So on today's broadcast, let's jump into the morning menu, and I'll let you know what Syracuse players will be joining me in just a little while. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is... Live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Today's morning menu is going to feature two Syracuse basketball players. As I told you, every single broadcast from here in Brooklyn for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora during championship week, during the ACC men's basketball tournament that I'm down here covering, every single one of the 15 schools we do something different. We do something innovative and, and something that I started a couple years ago, like I said, and I'm going to continue to do this, and that is to have former Syracuse players on every single broadcast. Former Syracuse, every single broadcast. So we did it in D.C. We did it in Brooklyn last year. We're back in Brooklyn to do it again. So on today's broadcast, I will be joined by Roosevelt Bowie Jr., and Dale Shackelford, former Syracuse players, on tomorrow's show, Wednesday, March 7th. I will be joined by Lawrence Moten, who just had his jersey retired. 
Gene Waldron, and Ryan Blackwell, and then so on and so forth, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Plenty of stuff coming up and more SU players to be announced. So this is the show that prides itself on being unique, innovative, different, and exciting. And one of the things that I wanted to do is have a former Syracuse player on every single broadcast during championship week. We've done it for two years running. This is year number three. This is the tic-tac-toe year, and we're making it happen again. So every single day while we're broadcasting live from Brooklyn, a former Syracuse player, if not more than one, will be joining me on the show Tuesday, March 6th through Saturday, March 10th. So today... We will hear from Dale Shackelford at 9.45 a.m. Eastern Time, and at 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time, we'll hear from his former teammate, Roosevelt Bowie Jr. Of course, right after Roosevelt Bowie Jr., we'll do what we normally do on a Tuesday. We'll be doing Ingredients to Success, proudly presented by Utica Pizza Company from down here in Brooklyn. And before all that happens, in just a few minutes at 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time, we will be joined live by Mike Wheeler, the OCC Lasers women's basketball head coach who is coming off of a Region 3 championship. And on top of the Region 3 championship, they are now heading into a wonderful, wonderful experience, a wonderful opportunity. They have the Region 3 championship, and now they are heading into the NJCAA National Tournament, which means that OCC for junior college, the OCC women's basketball team, is now heading into the National Tournament to try and win a national championship. So, folks, if you haven't paid attention to what OCC is doing, now is the time to do it. I want to let some information out here. OCC got a NJCAA Region 3 championship when they won 97-80 to over Columbia Green Community College on this past Sunday in Canandaigua at Finger Lakes Community College on, on their campus. With that win, like I said, they go to the NJCAA National Tournament that's taking place in Rockford, Illinois, March 15th to the 17th. They were tied early in the game, then OCC was able to take a 9-point lead at the end of the first period. And from there, up 55-29 to 29 at halftime. In the third period of the game, Columbia Green cut the deficit to 10 points. But the Lasers were able to get the lead back to 16 by the end of the third period and were ultimately able to win the game by 17 points. The seeding for the national tournament for the NJCAA will be released later on this week, and this will be OCC Lasers women's basketball's fifth trip to the NJCAA national tournament in the past 10 years and the first since the 2013-14 season. So this is the fifth time in 10 years, which for those of you playing the mathematical game is 50% of the time, fifth time in 10 years that Mike Wheeler pardon me, that Mike Wheeler has led the OCC Lasers women's basketball team to the NJCAA National Tournament in hopes of winning a national championship. Fifth time he's brought them there in 10 years. They haven't been since 2013-14. So a little bit of a drought, and now they are back eyeing a national championship once 
again. Sam Britton got to 1,000 career points in less than two seasons with the team. She's still on the team this year, pushing them forward with all of her teammates that have gotten the team where they are today, which is a Region 3 championship and now the fight for a national championship. So I am more than honored to have a friend, somebody that I consider a great person in the community and a hardworking person in the community, someone who's no stranger to the broadcast, Mike Wheeler, will be joining me in just a little while, around 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time. So if you don't know what's going on with OCC, just gave you a little <laughs> little update there. But if you get the chance, you got to watch these games. Whether you're watching them on the computer or you're going out to Rockford, Illinois, OCC is the truth. And I am more than proud of the work that they've put forward and everything that they have done. Mike Wheeler and his staff, they have been undeniably amazing in what they've been able to do. So I give them all the respect in the world and thank them for all that they have done. I appreciate it. So thank you to OCC, and I cannot wait to have Mike Wheeler join the show in just a little bit here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, live from Brooklyn. So we're in the BK fun, and I'm having a good time out here, and I uh, got in late. Now, I don't want to say late last night, but, you know, going through these airports, man, and it's cold and all that good stuff, but we're here. We're here. We made it. <laughs> we are We are on location in the BK, and I am more than excited to know that I will be here for my fifth ACC tournament in a row and covering this tournament and all 15 schools that are going to be playing in this tournament. And it's going to be exciting. You know, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun for all of you watching. It's going to be a lot of fun for me here. And, you know, we're in day one, which means in the first round, Tuesday, March 6th, we're going to see at noon Eastern time, number 12, Boston College, take on number 13, Georgia Tech. That'll be followed by number 10, Notre Dame, at 2 p.m. approximately. Number 10, Notre Dame will take on number 15, Pittsburgh, and then Syracuse, which many of my listeners in Central up, central and Upstate New York and beyond are excited about this one, Syracuse. Syracuse will be playing at 7 p.m. Eastern time against Wake Forest. Syracuse, the 11, Wake, the 14 seed. And here's something fun for you all today. I am going Old Big East all the way on this one. I am old Big East all the way. I'm picking BC, Notre Dame, and Syracuse in the first round. So I'm picking BC, who used to be in the in the Big East back in the day, picking Notre Dame and Syracuse, who left the Big East around the same time. So I'm going with all old Big East in my picks for the first round. You could see my picks and so much more by going to wakeupcalldt.com and on the ACC Central page you'll see the ACC Central tab at the top of the page and you just go to that and then click on ACC basketball or on wakeupcalldt.com if you don't want to go to the top of the page you go through the tabs you can just scroll down to quick links and click on ACC basketball down there that will take you to the bracket it will take you to my predictions round by round and I release those the the night before each round so my first round picks are already in and then there's a setup there of where all the interviews are going to be. So if you want to hear the interviews that I do for each round, they're all going to be broken down there. And then on the right side, you'll see the Twitter feed, and then you'll see the schedule of Syracuse players. So as I add players 
you will see them and who's coming up. Once again, something that we've done innovative, unique, and different to Wake Up Call, and I'm honored to do this and honored to always think outside the box, is bring on former Syracuse players for every single day of championship week that we're broadcasting live. And we did that in Washington, D.C., like I said earlier in the show, and we did it in Brooklyn last year. We're doing it again. So today, Roosevelt Bowie Jr. and Dale Shackelford. Tomorrow, Gene Waldron, Ryan Blackwell, and Lawrence Moulton for Wednesday, March 7th, and then so on and so forth. We'll have plenty of stuff coming up Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for your listening pleasure. So thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast, and I'm ecstatic about being here in the BK. Here's the crazy thing about being here in Brooklyn is that my grandmother grew up on Atlantic Avenue and Atlantic Avenue is where the Barclays Center is. The crazy thing about it is the Barclays Center is, I mean, I mean, this, this obviously wasn't here when my grandmother was growing up in Brooklyn, but, and I'm sure it looked very, very, very different, but Atlantic Avenue is so long. It's so long. Like when you're on the street and people are like, oh, do you walk to this or walk to that? Atlantic Avenue is a very long street, but it's amazing to be back in my grandmother's stomping grounds. And um, so shout out to my Gammy Miller and I love you. And I'm happy to be here representing our family. And I know that you're right on my shoulder and I know you love me. So God bless you. And I appreciate it very much. And I hope you're all having fun watching from heaven to all my grandparents and all my loved ones up there. Thanks to God for giving me a bunch of angels. What did Johnny say? Every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed man. Sorry, I'm jamming out. Apparently, Johnny Johnny thinks I'm a sharp-dressed man. So, I'm going to put thank you, Johnny. My goodness. Johnny's going nuts over there thinking the Detroit Lions are going to win the division. And he's going to owe me Chick-fil-A. Well, <laughs> we've gotten to that point of the show where we're going to take a fast break and get ready for Mike Wheeler. Once again, Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora live on location in Brooklyn, New York for the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament and Championship Week as a whole. Coming up in just a moment, OCC Lasers head basketball coach for the women's side, Mike Wheeler, coming off a Region 3 championship and heading into the NJCAA National Tournament. So everybody's saying, is Syracuse going to make it to the to the National Tournament? Are they going to do it? Well, guess what? One of the teams in Syracuse, New York, already has. We'll talk to Mike Wheeler in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, 
going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, drysiglady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell him your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar is your home on the water for every season. Join them on Wednesdays for all-you-can-eat wings, chicken thighs, and drumsticks from 3 to 9 p.m. And on Thursdays, join me, Dan Tortora, for live game show night. A new night out unlike anything you've played before in central and upstate New York every Thursday at 7 p.m. And while you're there on Thursdays at Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar from 5 to 9 p.m., join them for the barbecue all-you-can-eat buffet with buffet-style sides, ribs, and pulled pork chicken thighs and drumsticks and on wednesdays and thursdays all day happy hour you know how to get it done right at muddy waters kitchen and bar on 2 oswego street in baldwinsville new york welcome back here to wake up call with dan tortora on wakeupcalldt.com your one-stop sports shop and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt we're live on location from brooklyn new york throughout this entire week championship week and our coverage of the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament, all 15 schools. And today, for those of you listening live, it is round number one. You can catch all my coverage of the ACC by going to wakeupcalldt.com, going to the ACC Central tab and clicking on ACC Basketball, or you can scroll down to the bottom on wakeupcalldt.com and click on the quick link to the ACC Basketball coverage by Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So coming up here in just a little bit, Roosevelt Bowie Jr. and Dale Shackelford will be gracing the stage. But before all that happens, gracing the stage right now, live on the line is Mike Wheeler, OCC Lasers women's basketball head coach who just won a Region 3 championship and is back in the national tournament for the fifth time in almost 10 years. So fifth time in nine years, folks, because technically next year would be the official 10th so fifth time in nine years makes the percentage even better, and they're back there for the first time since 2013-14. And with that being said, Mike is here on the show to discuss what's to come and also to discuss that game that gave them the Region 3 crown. Mike, how you doing today? Dan, how are you? Thanks for having me. And first, before we get started, go Cues tonight. Go Cues. There we go. So, I mean, Syracuse, here's the irony of it all. My, my parents always ask me, when's Syracuse playing? 
And I was like, they're the, and I mean, it bodes better for them because they get to watch all day long and, you know, practice to do what they got to do. But I said, Syracuse, the more, as long as they continue to win, they play the last game of the tournament for the ACC every single day because they're at the bottom of the bracket. So they will play the 7 p.m. game today. If they win, they play a nine and then they play a nine and then they play a nine. So I said, you know, I was like, they have the benefit of getting well rested and not having to wake up and play a noon game and, and this and that. So if they continue to win, Mike, they have an opportunity to kind of digest the day and be the team that gets to play last. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, that's always what you want. And you always want to play around the game time that you're used to, you know, as a coach, you know, I'm Coach Bayheim might feel the same way, but, you know, I won't know that. But, you, you know, you play your games in the evening most of the time, 6, 7 o'clock at night. So they're also, that, that kind of, it, it, it's like a thing that your team gets used to, a little bit of comfort zone a little bit. So, um, you know, it's, it's good that they'll get to play the night games and the evening games and um, rest up a little bit and then play again uh, the next game and the next night. And hopefully they get a little run here that, that we're, we're hoping for. And I, I gotta go. With, I gotta go with dreams sometimes, Mike. And and I had a dream that I released on yesterday's show that Louisville, NC State, Duke, and Syracuse made the ACC men's basketball tournament final four, and then Syracuse was bumped out by Duke. And I woke up, and then I went and looked at the bracket, and it is plausible because where the teams are set up, Louisville, NC State, Duke, and Syracuse. I just thought it was a very, very multi-layered dream to have all four of the teams. It is completely plausible. I did not look at a bracket before I went to sleep, I don't think. And so it's it's just funny how it all kind of kind of worked out. I remember waking up and going they lost to they lost to Duke, which means they won 3, and I think they only have to win 2 in my prediction. So based on my dream, they're in the NCAA tournament, so maybe I should call the committee right now. I think that's, you know, the thing is is it's so funny. I love listening to these bracketologists and you know all these scenarios and you know, and I think, believe it or not, I don't even think anybody knows what goes on behind those closed doors, and I don't know what the criteria they look at. They say they know what it is, but I just really think it's a, um, you know, I think they have to take some of the criteria in the situation, but, you know, in the end of everything, I feel like sometimes the, the last couple teams in are like, gosh, let's go heads or tail, let's go, let's go, you know, Radford and, you know, this and that, let's flip a coin between these two and see what goes on. Um, I, I hope that's not really what goes on, but, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's interesting to, to hear all these scenarios and, you know, my, I mean, my, I know my thoughts don't really matter, but I, I really think that because of so many key wins that they have, Syracuse, um, and, you know, not any bad losses like they did last year. I thought last year's bad losses is really what kept them out. And um, I think their wins this year and not any really bad losses, um, I think with a win tonight, I think they should get in um, because I think North Carolina is just a, you know, a top-tier team that, you know, win or lose on, you know, tomorrow night, I, I think it's, it's, it's a shot that, that they have. If they win tonight, I think they're in. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I got them that they have to win two here, but obviously the win over Clemson, the win over Georgetown, Louisville, Miami, Buffalo, because Buffalo's a good team this year, Virginia Tech, they do have a bunch of quality wins this year, and they have something to brag about, so to speak. And the the worst loss would typically be to a team like St. Bonaventure, but Bonnie's has been pretty good this year, so... You know? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I think St. Bonaventure isn't a bad loss because St. Bonaventure is going to get into the tournament. 
um, and they're playing well. And so I don't think that hurts them either way. No. And to keep with basketball and go to the OCC side of things, Mr. Mike Wheeler, OCC women's basketball head coach, got a Region 3 championship that happened over the weekend here and had an opportunity to go into the semis, won the semis against Finger Lakes Community College, who was the number one seed, and it was on their home court, and then went on from there to play Columbia Green and defeat Columbia Green 97-80, which I spoke about earlier here in the broadcast, and came out to a big lead at halftime, were able to sustain it, and even though the deficit went down a little bit, were able to keep it a double-digit deficit and bring that championship home to OCC as you get set for the NJCAA National Tournament in Rockford, Illinois, which will take place March 15th to 17th. Mike, bring me into the game. Uh, I want to start first and foremost with Finger Lakes. Bring me into that Finger Lakes game, a team that you and I had spoken about. Hey, you, <laughs> you guys had seen each other so much that at this point it was kind of like, you know, braiding each other's hair and you knew everybody's secrets. So what can you say about Finger Lakes game for the semis and what you took away? Well, I thought that was, I thought that was the step that we took um, to, of, of course, getting to regional final, but I thought it was a big step for us because we beat a really good basketball team and a team that, that has beaten us twice, like you had said. Um, and I thought the first time that they played us at our place, they had completely dominated us. The lead was 19 at one time, and, and we never really challenged them um, until we got it to eight and late with like two minutes to go. But, you know, they ended up beating us by 11. Um, just dominated us from start to finish. So after losing a game like that, and you know, and, and I think the kids knew that they didn't they didn't play well that night, and you know, we chalked it up to that. Um, we got back on, and, and, and we had a good run until we saw them a second time, um, just in the middle of February, and uh, we uh, lost to them in overtime um, after trailing by 16 at their place, and we got back into it and had took a one point lead, and and we eventually lost in overtime. So that was a real tough one for us. Um, that game would have decided if we would have hosted the tournament, been a one seed, or, or, or them hosting and been in a one seed. And of course, you know, losing that game was big for us, big for them, and it was big for us because now we're on the road for the regional tournament. We already knew that it was going to be a tough road for us. Um, but I just felt, and I'm going to take it a notch back to to a week before um, Friday um, um, on. Uh, the 20, uh, was it the 27th, or when we played the 23rd, I believe was the um, Friday where we played TC3 in the conference semifinal game where um, we probably had the worst loss of the season. Um, and we uh, we scored 46 points, which was a season low. Um, and I went in the locker room after the game in this conference semis, and I, I told the girls, I said, you know, I said, it just doesn't seem like we want to play anymore. Um, when a basketball team scores 46 points and shoots 18% from the floor, I think you have a lot to do with that because you're just not in tune, you're not finishing around the basket, and you're not playing hard. And I said, it's not about X's and O's and prepared. You're prepared to play right now. I said, no, we can't go on the floor as coaches and play for you. You have to go out and play the game. And I said, well, you're perfectly capable of doing that because you did it all year. And to put up 46 points in the semifinal conference game was a struggle for us and a struggle for me as a head coach to say, you know, I just didn't think you, I don't think my team was ready to play and didn't want to play tonight. So I laid it on the line with them in the locker room. I said, listen, this is it. 
I said, we can pack our bags and go home for the rest of the year, starting next week, as we play TC3 again in three days after this game and this loss. I said, I want you to take the weekend to think about this. I said, you know, we're, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want you to talk to each other. I want you to sit there and think about where you want to be next week. Do you want to, do you want to make a run? Do you, do you want to go and win a regional title? Um, do you want to be TC3 to start the quarterfinals on Tuesday night? Because if not, we're, we can pack up and go home. And I just left the room. I let them sit and talk for a little bit. And I said, I'll see you Monday. So last Monday they came to practice. We had a great practice. Tuesday night, ready to go, seemed like it. Started the game 12 down in the first quarter. I said, oh, here we go. He says, maybe this is it. Um, called a few timeouts, talked to the kids. They got themselves ready to play in the second quarter and went on a 14-1 to run. We went in the locker room down one in the third quarter. We went on nine to nothing on the start. And they, these, these girls never looked back. And we went in up winning by 16. And, and now we're, we have our date in the semifinals with a team that, that has beaten us twice. And, and I thought that that was the turning point for us. And Saturday they came out and, and they played the number one team in the region on their home floor. And, um, just blow to blow. Never trailed back and forth game. Um, had the lead early, had the lead late. Um, you know, and it came down to a big, sh- a big shots. We hit some big shots when we needed to make them. Um, and, you know, I think the big one was um, tied at 73 with um, 42 seconds to go. And, and um, my our kid from Skinny Atlas, Shannon Sale, had a 27-footer that hit nothing but net to give us a three-point lead. And, um, you know, I think when you're playing with confidence as a basketball team, you win some big games. And, and I thought that just propelled us into the uh, regional finals on Sunday where, you know, we just played. Uh, uh, 40 minutes of great basketball, and, and I think they win for the for them on Saturday against Finger Lakes is big, um, and you know found themselves playing for a regional final, and you know I I told them after the game yesterday on Sunday that you know I thought I thought you looked yourself I told them they looked themselves in the mirror and and they said you know we weren't going to lose and 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 here we are you know giving ourselves enough to play for a national title next week. Speaking here with OCC women's basketball head coach Mike Wheeler. Mike, you know, like you said, you, you said to them, I don't want you to talk to each other. I want you to go home. I want you to figure this out. Is this what you want? Are you done with basketball this season? Or, you know, do you want to pack it in and say goodbye? Or or do you want to make a run at this thing? I mean, you as a coach to, to say, be away from each other, sit down, think about it, and then call timeouts in a game and say, I don't know, guys, you know, do we want this? Is this something that we're going after? I mean, for, for you to do that, I mean, you essentially put the trust in them. You showed them that you said, hey, I'm putting the baton in your hand. Either you're going to run this race or you're not. It takes a lot for a coach to do something like that. And just, you know, to go a little bit deeper into how they responded to you, when you challenged them and said, do you want this or don't you want this, they responded to you by winning a championship and heading to the national tournament. Yeah, you know, I, I think it says a lot for the kids. Um, but in general, you know, you, you know we, we also talked about you spent six, seven months together dating back to the end of August um, with, with preseason conditioning and, and going through all those tough times with each other as a basketball team. And, and they were dedicated 
and and I said to him also that night, I said, do you want to throw all this time away that you wasted? Yeah, and do you want to waste all this six months to preparing to get to this point, to play all these games? I said, you know, these are some of the things I just wanted them to think about. And, I, you know, when you know your kids and, and you've spent so much time with them this season, you know, you have to give them an opportunity to trust them, to trust that they know that this is it. We can go home. We can. We have that opportunity to not play. Or do we want to play because we want to win? And obviously, you know, they they turned it. They turned it on. And, and, and I, I really truly think that they, you know, they talked to each other and said, no, this is, this is what we want. We want to go after it and win a regional title. It's, it's been a long time for this program. And, you know, I told them that in the locker room also, I said, tell me how many of you have won any kind of championship in high school. Has anyone won a sectional title? Has anyone won a state championship? And not one person could raise their hand saying they won any championship. I said, well, there's another thing to think about. Here's an opportunity to do something special. And when every one of them were cutting down the net on Sunday, they enjoyed every moment of it. And to have that as you head forward, you're going to find out, Mike, on, on Friday, March 9th, where the seating's at, what's going on, what's going to happen in Rockford, Illinois. Just what you could say about the anticipation of it all and the excitement of it all and, and just what this NJCAA National Tournament you know what what this what this is going to feel like you're not a stranger to it by any stretch of the imagination but what can you tell us about it as we sit and await and I know that on Friday March 9th I'll be texting you at night going Mike you better send me that information so bring me into you know what's going on well you know for us going into the tournament yes it's no you know we're no stranger as, as a program to be there um, but we were an underdog in the region 3 tournament we were a four seed you know, and, and we we beat the three and the one seed, and we beat the one seed on their home floor. We're an underdog. We were an underdog. And I think now that this basketball team believes that they can win anything, you know, with confidence because we won. Um, no matter what seed we have in that tournament next week, they're going to play with, with no nothing on no weight on their shoulders like they're pressured to win a national title they're going to play to win a national title because they want to but we have no we have no pressure on our shoulders we're going to go and play and i think that's the thing that this team now is playing with a great deal of confidence and whether we're the eight seed playing the one seed on thursday night next week we're going to go play you know, we're going to play hard and because I don't think that's a challenge anymore. I don't think that's a thing for them that they have to worry about. They know they're going to go out and play. And, um, you know, that's that's the, the great thing about the position we're in is we were the one or two a few years ago going in playing at seven or eight feet. Now you got a lot of pressure on your back. Now you got to play well. Now, you know, we don't. We're going in the, we're going in the play and, you know, we're the six, seven seed. You know, who knows what we're going to be? But no matter what seed we're going to be, I feel we're going in as an underdog, and we're going to play. That coming from Mike Wheeler, OCC Women's Basketball head coach, as they get set for the NJCAA national tournament that is coming up here on March fifteenth to the seventeenth. 
Mike, just just what you can say, you know, before I let you go here, that you've taken away from this year's team and and this year's squad, you know, to to go a little bit deeper into just who they are and what they've done. We know Sam Britton got to a thousand career points in less than two seasons. She did it during her second season before the regular season was even over. So, you know, we, we know that there's success here. We know that there's storylines here, but just what you could say you've learned about them. And then secondly, what you've learned about yourself, because I think a good coach learns something every single year. So what did you learn about yourself as well? Well, I mean, talk about them first. You know, what I learned from them is the fact that, um, you know, you, you, I, I can trust your basketball team. You know, I, I think that that's, you know, you, you begin to wonder um, if this is a team that you, you can count on. Um, you know, you don't know. I, I, we talk about as coaches, you kind of have the feeling of what your team's going to do at times. Um, on the floor and what's going to happen, you know, yeah, you, you might not play well at times, but you always have an idea of what your team's going to do. I thought after that game um, uh, against TC3 in the conference semis, I thought I knew what my basketball team was and who they were, um, but I thought in the last three, I found out more who they are as a team and, and now the fact that you can trust them more because you give them a little bit and they took it and they listened and they accepted what you had to offer. Um, and they went out and did it. So, um, and I, I mean, that's just like, you know, you, you're trying to, to get through to your, your children, you know, and you're trying to explain something to them that you want them to learn. Um, and sometimes they just don't get it. Um, but they got it. And I learned that about them as a basketball team. And I was real happy for that. Um, and for me, you know, I, I I learned that, you know, I you get used to being one and two all the time, and you get comfortable in that position. But for once, we're not. I always consider us being on the top as a basketball team, but to be the four seed going into a regional tournament is is different. Um, but what I learned was, no matter what, you know, you have an opportunity to to do it um, and to win it. And I think, if anything, I took away from these past couple games and this year is that, um, you know, like learning stuff about your team, I'm, I'm learning about myself is, is having confidence and, and getting building confidence as you go um, and getting better throughout the year. Um, and when needs the most to get better is at the end of the season when you want to be playing the best basketball and, you know, I, I think I've learned the most about myself when it comes to the coaching aspect. Um, that, that, that That's the one thing I took out of this whole thing. To be where you are right now, Mike, I mean, I ask you every year the love for the game and the love for this team. You're synonymous with OCC women's basketball. So in closing, just, you know, you made this decision years ago. When you look back on this hindsight's 2020, what can you say about the decision to – be there at OCC and be one of those names that people just come to know when they know the Lasers, when they come to know the athletic program, when they come to know Central and Upstate New York. You and OCC are together and have been together for a very long time. So bring me back to that decision and 2020 hindsight in coming to OCC. Well, it was an opportunity to, to start 
basketball program, you know, 17 years ago, you know, they didn't really have, they didn't have a basketball program, um, until, you know, the last time they had one was in the early eighties. Um, and there was really no existence of the program. Um, so I wanted to make a, um, a mark for, for the school, the program, um, and, and, you know, any competitive athlete, coach, you know, player, person, um, you, you want to succeed, um, and you want what you're doing or what you're trying to create to succeed as well. And, you know, that's what I wanted to do with this program back 17 years ago. I wanted to get it started off the ground. Um, and then I want to continue the program to, um, continue to be a national powerhouse every season. Um, and I, I think we're right there. Um, it's a great community to live in. It's a great college to attend. Um, there's so much to offer here. Um, and the decision I made 17 years ago to be the head women's basketball coach, never regret it. And the opportunity that I have, I'm, I'm very grateful for. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's getting to a point now where, um, it's still exciting every day. It's funny. You know, we talk after the win and someone asked me, coach, does, does this get old? No, winning doesn't get old. Um, the excitement of coaching in great big basketball games doesn't get old. I mean, it probably hurts your heart a little bit as it's stressful. Um, but as a coach, you, you know, you learn how to deal with that. Um, I'm a, I'm a big runner, so it's a great stress relief to run and, um, come back and clear your mind. And I think that's the one thing as well as, you know, I have many thoughts that go through my head as I'm out for my runs during the day and, you know, think about what we're going to do basketball wise, the program. And, you know, you think about a lot of that stuff. It's a great time to prepare. Um, but you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a great place right now. And, and, and we're, we're happy. Um, and again, I think every person, that successful surrounds themselves with great people. Um, and I've always had a great staff and a great support, um, school, family, staff. Um, you know, Bill's been with me for eight years and, you know, every year he threatens me that he's going to leave. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think it's, it's hard for him to step away from the game because he, he enjoys it just as much as I do. Um, and I don't think he'd know what to do with himself without it. Um, so it's just great to have. And, and Kelly uh, Grinnell's been my assistant and a former player of mine. Um, and she's helped with this program for years. And she does a wonderful job. They both do a great job in supporting um, what I do. And uh, it, it's kind of nice that here on the live feed, you know, people that listen in can send messages. And they, they just gave you a hear here about surrounding yourself with good people and that successful people surround themselves with people that, you know, are obviously going to push them to success, be good around them and, and are going to fight. And then there was another quote that I read last week that said, if you can't, if you can't appreciate the success of other people, you will never find true success yourself. So there's a lot to be said there with that. And I'm hoping for continued success with the OCC Lasers Women's Basketball Program. Mike Wheeler here on the line. Mike, as always, I appreciate everything you're doing. Like I said, let me know Friday what's going on with this bracket. But 
God bless to you and the team, and and keep fighting the good fight. You know this this community should be very proud of OCC, and that that's an understatement at this point. Thanks a lot, Dan, for having me, and appreciate a lot. Go Lasers! All right, I'll talk to you soon, and take care of those boys. All right. Yeah. You got it. Thanks. <laughs> all right, take care. And coming from Mike Wheeler once again, OCC Lasers women's basketball head coach here on the broadcast. Very happy to have him on as always, and thank him so much for being a part of the show as the OCC Lasers women's basketball team continues to impress year in and year out, and they are going to the NJCAA National Tournament, and that will be happening March 15th to the 17th. They will find out where they're seated and their schedule, what's going on, on Friday, March 9th, and I believe that's at night. So like I was saying to Mike, I will definitely be in touch with him and find out what's going on, and I can't wait for the opportunity to speak with him about it and to speak with you about it and hopefully talk about some more OCC laser victories because they have been, I mean, they, they honestly, this team, if you have not gone to an OCC game, if you don't know what's going on at OCC, you know, and you're listening to this show, hopefully I've given you something to take home with you and think about. Really, really, folks, the time to support this team is right now. And I hope that, you know, many of you that have continue to because this is just a great, great program that does things the right way and works very hard. And I have nothing but the utmost respect for Mike Wheeler. So make sure that you check them out. They're going to be in the national tournament for the NJCAA, which is for junior college. So thank you to Mike once again. We'll take a quick step aside and we will come back doing what we do here on the broadcast, which is every single day of championship week that we broadcast live. We're on location and we are discussing Syracuse, win, lose, or draw with former Syracuse players. Today's broadcast will have Dale Shackelford and Roosevelt Bowie. Dale coming up in just a minute. And then tomorrow's show will have Gene Waldron, Lawrence Moen, and Ryan Blackwell. And stay tuned to the ACC basketball page on wakeupcalldt.com to find out who else is coming up on the show this week. You can also connect on Facebook at WakeUpCallDT, Twitter at CallDT, and Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT to get the messages as well to know who's coming up this week. Make sure you stay close, though, to the ACC basketball page for coverage of the ACC men's basketball tournament as I am here live on location in Brooklyn, and I will be talking with all 15 of the schools, including Syracuse, of course, and I'll be covering championship week as well. So, don't miss a moment by connecting with me on wakeupcalldt.com and on, you can subscribe for free, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt to listen into every single broadcast. We're live from the BK, and we'll be back in just a moment with Dale Shackelford. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville.
Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalwear, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formal Wear. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, live on location in Brooklyn, New York, for the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament and Championship Week coverage in its entirety of what's going on around the country. And as we do it here uniquely, differently, and something special for the fans listening in every single episode with... Syracuse alum and we're going to start things off with my co-host the last three years for pregame and that is Dale Shackelford of Syracuse men's basketball history Dale how you doing today I'm doing great Uh, just uh, preparing for the uh, upcoming snowstorm we're going to have around here yeah and you know my mom was laughing yesterday she's like have fun in Brooklyn they're supposed to get a snowstorm I was like mom get out of here what is going on I'm not trying to do that (laughs) so thank god I didn't drive down here is all I'll say right so, Dale, you know, first and foremost, everybody's, you know, prognosticating, so to speak, what's going to happen with this team and, and can they win and will they win and, and whatnot. Just what you think about where they're at right now. They're 19 and 12. They got a big time, you know, they have big wins against Georgetown. We're going to include Buffalo in this because Buffalo is a good team this year. Uh, I'm also going to mention Virginia Tech, Miami, Louisville, Clemson. We can all we can call all of those quality wins. What do you think about Syracuse and where they stand right now at 19 and 12? Well, I think you know they've they've played as well as they can play. Uh, you know they've been in every game. Uh, you know they had a couple of hiccups here and there, but I, I think uh, you know all in all, you know you know they keep playing well, and you know, it's going to be a tough road for them. You know they've they've got to win today, and uh, you know hopefully uh, you know they'll play well enough tomorrow, and hopefully win. Uh, you know to get the committee to recognize uh, you know who they are and where they are. And when we look at, you know, where they're at right now, what do you think they need to do? I think they need to win two to be safe. You know, what what are you seeing in this one? I mean, uh, do they do they have to win another game? Do they have to win a couple? Do they, I mean, where do you look at this? I know that we're not the committee, but I would like to think that, 
you know, that, that some of the research that I've done over the years makes sense to, yeah, I mean, the committee always seems to be a little bit interesting when it comes to Syracuse, but outside of that, you know, there's a certain criteria, certain things they look for, you know, 20 wins and quality and did you have bad losses and whatnot and who are they to, you know, th- those type of things go into the equation. So where do you see Syracuse right now as they head into the game against Wake Forest? Well, I, I think they need to win this game against Wake Forest for sure. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, that would be enough. But, um, you know, you never know with the committee and everything. And, uh, you know, they got, like I said before, you know, they've got to have a good showing against uh, Carolina. And, you know, I, I don't want to jump the gun and everything. And uh, I don't want, uh, you know, Syracuse players to jump the gun. Uh, you know, we got to, you know, take one game at a time still because it's a one-game elimination. It's do or die when you get to this point of the year. So I think, uh, you know, they, they can win this one and, uh, you know, have a fair showing tomorrow uh, against Carolina or even beat Carolina. Uh, you know, have a great shot against them. Yeah, you know, I think if they take down Wake Forest and they defeat Carolina, I mean, there's no question in my mind that they're going to be in this thing because, I mean, they would have more than enough quality to showcase. Just what you could say about, you know, the tournament as a whole, though. I mean, Bonzi Colson is back. For Notre Dame, they're going up against Pittsburgh. You know, Syracuse gets to play. Well, I'll get into that in a minute with that. But I've chosen in day number one, my predictions are all former Big East schools. So I said I'm going with the old Big East. BC over Georgia Tech, Notre Dame over Pitt, and Syracuse over Wake Forest. Just what your take is from, you know, this first day and and what you think. I mean, what are your picks for these games? And, and do you believe that Notre Dame can get back on things with Bonzi Colson back healthy? And is BC, you know, even though they're a 12 seed, are they still a dangerous team? Well, uh, you know, anybody's capable of beating anybody. You know, uh, teams are, you know, going to neutral sites and, uh, you know, knowing that they've got, uh, you know, one-game elimination tournaments and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough task. And I think any of these teams are capable of winning. Uh, you know, the Big East is, uh, you know, always had a strong tournament from top to bottom over the years and that and you know with uh, you know the biggest teams that we have going uh, into the ACC you know I think they have a great chance and regardless of you know, the players apparently Bonzi Colson's back but I, I think Notre Dame plays, you know, has played well this year without him uh, and it's just an added uh, strength that they have uh, with him there so um, you know it's, it's one of those things where you know hopefully you know they all play well and they all um yeah, and as, as we look to Syracuse, you know, what are your keys to victory for the Orange? We know that Tyus is, is a shooter for them. We know that Frank has had to take it up as well. But you and I have talked about a lot of different things, scenarios, things they should be doing that maybe they're not doing. So what's the key to victory for Syracuse going up against a team that they split the regular season one-to-one with? Well, I think they, you know, they got to come up with the same energy they had on Saturday. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Pascal Chukwu played great defense, uh, you know, throughout the game. Um, uh, came out, uh, very aggressive offensively. Uh, you know, that's what they need. You know, they need that other threat, uh, offensively. They need, you know, great play on the defensive end, uh, for them to be successful. And I feel that, uh, you know, these guys are, you know, hopefully that mindset has carried over to the next game. Uh, you know, which is, uh, you know, tonight against, uh, Georgia Tech and, uh, you know, they'll play well. And when we see, you know, this opportunity that they have against Wake Forest coming up tonight, 
just you know what your takeaways are from what this team has done up to this season and, and what they've been able to do. They've been kind of an enigma. They've won some games that they you know people didn't think they were supposed to. They lost some games that made you scratch your head. Do you think this team has something in the tank moving forward? Well, no, I know for a fact they have something in the tank because I, I think all these guys feel they've got something to prove uh, to everybody that you know they are a good team and they can play well in certain situations and that. And I, and I think uh, you know as a, a unit, you know they're going to come out with the mindset that you know we've got to prove everybody else wrong and we've got to satisfy ourselves by you know winning some of these games. That coming from Dale Shackelford. And Dale, we hope to get you on later on in the week as well. I know you got a meeting to go into, so I want to make sure that you get in there and that you're not late to that. So God bless. Thank you so much, and I look forward to talking with you soon. All right, Dan. Thank you very much. All right, take care. That coming from Dale Shackelford once again. So he had a meeting to get into. I don't like being late to stuff. I really don't. And when I am late, I feel like a giant jerk. So I don't want to make Dale late for anything here. We'll look forward to having him on the show and uh, later on this week you know obviously you know that Dale and I have done a ton of work together uh, we've been doing the pregame show for Syracuse together uh, for wake up call with Dan Tortora at different locations a, di- a different location every season we've been able to bounce around central and upstate New York and you know I've gotten to know Dale and you know built a friendship with Dale and, and something that I really appreciate and uh, and I'm thankful for so I want to thank Dale Shackelford normally we could sit and hang out on the show for a while and talk but we'll get him back on later on in the week and I'm happy that he gave some insight and some thoughts to this I think there's more in the tank for Syracuse too I really do you know I think that this Syracuse team could make a huge run I mean it's insane that my dream you know that my dream did what it did that my dream was like oh yeah you know they're gonna like totally make the (laughs) you know they're gonna they're going to make it to the final four of this thing. But the, you know, if they did, I don't, I, I, part of me would be, I don't know if, I don't know if I would be surprised. I want to say part of me would be surprised, but I don't think it would be because, you know, Syracuse, they're not a bad team this year and they've done so much with so little, so to speak, you know, they have five guys, six guys, seven guys, maybe five and a half on certain games. If Barama's not feeling that well, or Matt Moyer's not feeling that well, I mean, they've gone through injury was injuries with Matt, injuries with Barama. Howard Washington Jr., who barely played, is out for the season. You know, O'Shea Brissett is a true freshman. Marek Dolajai is a true freshman. Pascal Chukwu barely played for Syracuse, so this is his first, like, true year with the team. Frank Howard's never been asked to be an offensive player before this year. And Tyus Battle is one, one of the only – he is the last of <laughs> – he's the only one – returning of the five top scorers that Syracuse had last season. So this was the perfect cocktail for the team to not play well. And these are usually the years where I'm like, you know what? I think they'll make it interesting because it's when you count Syracuse out. It's when you think they're going to lose. It's when you have no respect for them. It's when you don't believe that they can make it that they do. So, and I'm not saying don't have respect for people and don't have respect for this team. I'm saying it's when they are counted out that they really get that chip on their shoulder. I said Syracuse should always play with a chip on their shoulder. They should always play that way. When they're the number one seed in the country, they never make it. They never make it. They don't make it to the Final Four. They don't win championships. When they're the number one seed, it doesn't work out. When they're top in the top 25, it doesn't work out. 
it's when they get spurned. It's when they get a three seed and think that they should have had a one seed or think that they should have had a two seed. It's when they get a 10 seed and they're thrown in the middle of the tournament and nobody thinks that they have any, I shouldn't say nobody thinks, but people are saying that they didn't even deserve to be there and then they go to the final four. You know, I saw something in that team with Mike Benajay and Trevor Cooney and Tyler Lydon and Malachi Richardson and so on and so forth, Daywan Coleman. I saw something with that team. And the funny thing is, I got laughed at by going against the thoughts of 770 other people. And folks, that should be a sign for you. It should be an example for you. That going against the grain and going down another path that nobody else is going down doesn't make you stupid. It doesn't make you wrong. It doesn't make you a homer. It doesn't make you unintelligent or naive or illogical. Going down the path that you choose to go down is the one that you choose to go down. And I did my research. I trusted my gut. I thought what I thought. I felt how I felt. I wrote what I wrote. And guess what? Everybody that was laughing, they didn't call me up for the final four and said, hey, Dan, you're right. We want to do a piece on it. Hey, Dan, you were actually correct. Hey, Dan, you you were the only person in the country that went against everybody else. Let's discuss it. Nobody wanted to discuss it. Why would they want to discuss it? Because the person that you laughed at got the last laugh. How do you write a story about that? How about this? Don't laugh in the beginning. Let people think what they want to think. Let them feel how they want to feel and do what they want to do. In 2016, I saw something in that team. And I'm not going to say that they didn't surprise me. But I saw something in that squad. What do I see this year? Is it the same as that year? No. And I'm not trying to make people upset. It's not the same. But do I think that this team is capable of pulling off upsets, so to speak? Yeah, look at their record. Look at their his. Look at what they did this year. At Miami, they're not supposed to win that game. At Louisville, they're not supposed to win that game. Clemson, they're not supposed to win that game. So, there you are. If you want to know if they can pull off an upset, they already have. They already have. It's not easy to win in Miami. It is not easy to win in the KFC Yum Center for Louisville, Kentucky. Bubba Gray knows that. It's not easy. But they did it. And yeah, they've never won a game in this tournament. But I think that that streak is ending this year. I think it's ending today. I'm down here in Brooklyn, and for the first time ever that I've covered an ACC tournament, this is year number five for me, I'm expecting... I shouldn't say I'm expecting, I'm anticipating that when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'll have another Syracuse game to cover. That's never happened with them in the ACC. But I think that that path, I think that it's about to change. Now, Wake Forest is not a cakewalk. I'm not going to sit here and say Wake Forest is an easy team to play and yada, 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 and blah, blah, blah. No, they're not. Obviously, they're not. Syracuse couldn't get the best of them all the way through. This is the third time that the teams will meet each other this season. It's an exciting time. And it's an opportunity for Syracuse to show the committee that they deserve it. Now, I will tell you this. If they lose in their first-round game, they can make a case. But I don't know if anybody, anybody's going to listen. 
Because if they lose, Notre Dame wins. Notre Dame's got Bonzi Colson back. That's attractive. Right? If Louisville wins, that's attractive. Louisville gets to play Virginia again after Virginia won at the last second by a point. That game becomes very attractive. So, Syracuse beat Wake Forest at home 78-70 to and lost at Wake Forest 73-67. to So, we know that this game is going to be a game that we can anticipate. You're probably going to have to get into the 70s for it. And Syracuse is going to have to come to play. And so is Wake. But Syracuse is coming off of a victory that stopped the bleeding. They lost three games in a row and four of five from NC State, North Carolina, Duke, BC. Lost all those games, defeated Miami in between all that. They came back and beat Clemson at home 55-52. to This team makes you nervous, and I understand that. They'd make anybody nervous. Because I'm looking at this thing going, they could easily lose this game. And I'm looking at this thing going, what happens if they win this game? What happens if they build momentum? The thing about Syracuse, when we look back at their record this season, is they won the games in the beginning of the season, which, you know, people anticipated they would. They started off the season 6-0, and right? But then they were able to – but that sixth game was Maryland. Wasn't an easy game. Then they lost to Kansas, first loss of the season. Then they beat Connecticut. Then they beat Georgetown on the road in overtime. Then they came home and beat Buffalo 81-74. Buffalo's a damn good team this year. Then they played a tight matchup and lost to St. Bonaventure, who's a good team this year. Then two games later, they beat Virginia Tech. They went on a four-game losing streak. Then they won three in a row. Two-game losing streak, won two in a row. And then lost four of five and were able to get Clemson. So as far as, you know, streak-wise, Syracuse hasn't been that team that's winning a ton of games in a row. That's the concern. That's what makes your feet sweaty, so to speak. So it makes you a little bit nervous is that Syracuse, you know, wins four, wins two, wins three, but that's it. Well, I think they need to win two. I think they need to win two for this ACC tournament. I think they got to win two. Two, and and there's no question in my mind that the committee's got to let them in. Now, the committee is the committee is the committee, but they beat Wake Forest. They play North Carolina. North Carolina, don't get it twisted, folks. We're in Brooklyn. They got a ton of fans. They got a ton of fans. We're in Brooklyn, and North Carolina Duke felt like North Carolina Duke in North Carolina. That's what it felt like last year at the Barclays. So Syracuse takes down big and bad North Carolina, and I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. I'm just stating my case of them getting into the NCAA tournament. If they do that, they're taking out the beast. North Carolina somehow fell to a six seed in this bracket, right? They fell to a six seed fell out of favor in the top four, so they had to play on day two. Syracuse played a very tight game with them and a hard-fought game with them and came back. And if Pascal, after he grabs that offensive rebound, doesn't put that ball on the ground and get it stolen by Joel Berry, it's a different game. Now it's tied in... Both teams are trying to get the last shot. Both teams are trying to put something up. Syracuse fought their way back in that game, and they made it a game. It was a very interesting game. And the second time around, if I'm North Carolina, I'm not happy to see Syracuse again. And if I'm Syracuse, I'm damn happy to see North Carolina again because it means I have more life, and it means I have an opportunity to make up for past blunders. It was Syracuse's mistakes that cost them the game down the stretch. It wasn't that 
North Carolina was just so amazing. You got to think about this. Syracuse fought their way back into that game to be right there with North Carolina and lose it at the end when North Carolina was shooting well, playing well overall. They were doing everything that they were supposed to do. North Carolina did everything they were supposed to do to win that game by 14, 15 points. They won by four. And I want to go back to the game for a second and back to one of my stories. If you ever want to read my stories, which I feel like you should because they're fun and exciting and I write them to share them with you, you can go to the Right Now page of wakeupcalldt.com. That's Right Now. It's a play on words because it's what I write and you can read it now at your convenience. There's over 400 articles on there, including over 140 Syracuse men's basketball articles. And when we go back to this game, I want to get back into it here and go to one of the parts that I had mentioned in my in my story. With 7.55 to play, the Orange were behind by 7, 66-59, after Battle scored six straight points. With just under four minutes to go, Howard and Battle combined for another string of six points, with Howard making both, both free throws. Followed by Battle achieving back-to-back field goals to tie the game at 74 apiece at 3.07 left in the game. So with just under four minutes to go, Howard and Battle combined for another string of six straight points. Howard made both free throws. Battle had back-to-back field goals. 74 apiece with 3.07 to go. With 1.42 to play, junior center Pascal Chuku turned the ball over after grabbing a key offensive rebound. Joel Berry finished his steal with a layup at the other end. As soon as he stole that ball away from Pascal, he took off like the Mighty Mouse and 76-74 with a minute 39 remaining. Okay? So Syracuse's blunder untied the game. But there was still a minute 39 on the clock. The play that was drawn up, Frank Howard took a three. He had 32.9 seconds to use. Launched a three. It was too long. Barry gets the rebound. Or Barry, pardon me, gets uh, two free throws after that. Syracuse got the ball back. They ran down and forced a wild shot. They got blocked. Tried a three. Nothing. So despite tying the game late at 74 apiece, Syracuse struggled. Now, now listen, Syracuse did not have the lead in this game for the final 38 minutes and 51 seconds of 40 allotted minutes. 38 minutes and 51 seconds, Syracuse didn't have the lead in the final 38-minute, 51-second span. But they were able to tie the game. North Carolina, by that stat, they had the game the whole time. They had this game almost the entire 40 minutes. They had it. On 16 separate occasions, the Tar Heels scored immediately after Syracuse put points on the board. So there's pieces to this and X factors to this. That yeah, North Carolina beat Syracuse, and yeah, they're ranked they're sixth in the ACC, and Syracuse is eleventh, and North Carolina is going to the tournament no matter what. But, but there are things that Syracuse can do and blunders that they made that lost this game that if they get that shot, they have a better opportunity than maybe people are going to give them to win the contest. But they got to beat Wake Forest first. They got to take down Wake first. And Wake is no cakewalk, folks. And I'm down here in Brooklyn, and I'll be covering every single game, and you know I'll be there. I think this is the year that they break the streak of losing in the ACC tournament. Now, this is the fifth one, but Syracuse has only played in four because they banned themselves from one of them, if you remember. When they were getting investigated, they banned themselves. 
Wake has had a, a tumultuous year. They're 11 and 19. They're not going to the NCAA tournament unless they win this thing. They're 4 and 14 in the ACC. One of their four wins came against Syracuse. Their other wins came against Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, and Florida State. So Pitt and Georgia Tech are right on the bottom with Wake. Florida State is a quality win for them that gets them a win against the top eight in the ACC and then, you know, defeating Syracuse. But ultimately, this team did not win win the big-time games. Okay, Syracuse was in the game against North Carolina, and Wake Forest did not defeat North Carolina. That was a close game for them, too. They lost by four, so they were in that game. They didn't defeat BC. They didn't defeat Virginia Tech. They didn't defeat Louisville. They didn't defeat Clemson. So these, these wins that Syracuse has, they can't hang with them. However, Wake is known to get their points up. They can score 70. They can score 80 points. And that's the concern factor is that Wake Forest is a dangerous team to play in this tournament. They were dangerous last year going up against them and not Syracuse, but in general. So Wake is not an easy team and they're not a cakewalk in this thing. So Syracuse has to remember that. This is not an easy game. Yes, they're 4-14. and Yes, they're 11-19 and overall. But they're not an easy team to face, as Syracuse knows, twice. Now, Syracuse won at home. Wake won at home. This is neutral court. So they both won in their comfort zone. Now they have to see where they would win here. You'd like to think that this is more of Syracuse's comfort zone because it's in New York City. But there are a lot of fans that show up that are cheering on those Carolina teams. Definitely Duke and North Carolina for sure and for certain. And if Syracuse makes it against North Carolina, there's going to be North Carolina fans that are loud and proud inside of the Barclays Center. And I'm telling you that as a true statement from what I experienced last season. So, like I said, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm just stating a case. Syracuse has got to win, in my opinion, two. They got to win two to guarantee at 21 and 12 that they're in. To guarantee that they're in. But this is a big time game against Wake Forest, and we're not going to overlook Wake Forest by any stretch of the imagination. Bryant Crawford, Keyshawn Woods, Darrell Moore. Darrell Moore, this was something that made no sense to me. When. When Wake Forest goes up against Duke, or pardon me, Wake, or when Wake Forest goes up against Syracuse, the fact that they didn't use Darrell Moore more, yes, it is a play on words, but he went inside and he was just attacking like crazy. He'd turn around and just slam the ball right in your face. So Syracuse needs to learn how to, they got to front him and they got to take care of him. They got to do what needs to be done against Moore underneath because if Wake saw him as much as they should have seen him, Syracuse would have been in a lot of trouble. Darrell Moore in the game had 16 points the last time Syracuse played them in 34 minutes. Bryant Crawford, he was big time too, shooting three, seven of 17 from the field. 10 of 23 the team was from three-point range, 43.5%. So you got to watch out for stuff like that and the big time play that they were able to do. I mean, Wake Forest made this a game. Thanks in part to their three-point shooting and what they were able to get done here. And they got a deep bench. They have a deep bench. They played seven people off their bench the last time they played Syracuse. They played seven people. Twelve altogether. Keyshawn Woods, big off the bench. 29 minutes, 12 points. Mitchell Wilbekin, 
13 points in 25 minutes. So Syracuse got to watch that. Wake Forest got a bench, hence how they can score the points. They got 11, 12 guys they can throw out there. There's some danger there. So they got to take care of the middle. They got to plug the middle. And they have to make sure that <laughs> Wake Forest doesn't see how open Moore was at certain times in that game when they didn't use him. Bryant Crawford, the 2-3 the zone's got to be active. They have to have their hands up, and they got to front these guys. The 2-3 zone only works by your hands being up, how much energy and endurance you have, and how much you're willing to get after it and shift quickly. 2-3 zone doesn't work. No zone works unless you can move fast and get your hands up. Speed is what kills in the 2-3 zone, and Syracuse has to get after it and get some of these steals and get up the court and have so, some of those big-time dunks that give that momentum to the Syracuse Orange as they go into this game against a team that is more than capable of getting the 70. We're going to discuss the game and more as we continue our conversation from Brooklyn with Roosevelt Bowie Jr. in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this, Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With fan hands. The ultimate sports fan accessory. Find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on fanhands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear fan hands. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. It's an honor and a privilege to continue the conversation from Brooklyn, where Wake Up Call is live broadcasting Tuesday, March 6th, which is today for those of you listening live, all the way through Saturday, March 10th. We're doing a bonus show. Normally, we're Monday through Friday. We're going into Saturday this week to continue championship week, the ACC men's basketball tournament coverage. 
and so much more live on location from the BK, Brooklyn, New York, and my grandmother's old stomping grounds. And coming up on the show right now here live on the line is Syracuse Orange alum, Roosevelt Bowie Jr. Rosie, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing very well. And, and Rosie, you know, just what you can say about, you know, where this team is at this season because it, it's been – it's been an, an up-and-down season. It's been a head-scratching season, and then it's been a hopeful season. What have you taken away from this this campaign of Syracuse so far? Well, this team has been uh, it's quite interesting because they were they're kind of um, young. You know, there have been a lot of changes that were made on the team from the beginning, and uh, they've just rolled with the punches and tried to find a way to play the best they can, and they're uh, as recently coming into their own. And when we see this team and kind of going up and down and, and you know, the, the ebb and flow of it all, just what you've taken away from them, are, are you seeing a team that is capable of getting on the right side of things right now? I mean, I went into how they started the season off winning six in a row, but five out of those six they were – you know, expected to win before they got into Maryland in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which they got that victory. Then they'd win four and lose, win two and lose, win three and lose. So th- this team hasn't really gone on long streaks of winning this season. So where do you think they're at at this point, and do you feel like they're in a place poised to make a run at this point in the season? Well, this team is uh, kind of different from any other team that coaches uh, ever put out there with all the you know, players getting hurt and players leaving so it's uh i don't i don't really see it as a as an up and down season i see it as a season where they're trying to figure themselves out figure out who's good at what and then put the best team feel the best team possible on the floor and find a way to find chemistry and play after having changed so many players and situations during the year and when we look at this, you know, players and situations and trying to find a comfort level and whatnot, what have you seen from this? Because, you know, Beheim was talking about, I don't want to put three guards out there. And so he didn't put, you know, Howard Washington Jr. out there too many times. And, and Howard ended up getting hurt in practice, so he won't be out there. But, you know, he's tried different things. He, you know, Marek inside and, you know, Pascal obviously inside. Barama's been injured, so he's been there for a few minutes here and there. But just what you could take away from what he's trying to do to shift some guys around and, and see what he can do. I mean, in all honesty, they don't have a lot of bodies to work with, so it's typically Tyus up front and Frank up front and O'Shea on one of the, you know, at the bottom of the 2-3 zone to go out to the wings. O'Shea's on one side, Marek's on the other side, and Pascal's inside. But Marek does, does float inside from time to time, and during foul trouble situations, they do have to shift him in. So just what you could say from you know, this this unit that they've had up to this point and really the five guys I've mentioned that they've had to lean on the most? Well, uh, the first thing I have to say is if you you put uh, you put any other coach in the country in this situation and with the players that they had to start out with, which were limited, and then you go and have a lot of players get hurt, and then here we are now talking about them playing you know, trying to talk about how they're playing, but they're, they're, they're playing is not consistent. Any other coach in the, in the, in the country would have, would, have, would have ran away with his tail tucked between his legs. And yet Coach Benheim managed to put the, feel the team that's actually competitive. They're, they're trying to find their, you know, trying to find the best way they can play together. But still, yet, nobody's giving up. Everybody comes out there loaded for beer. 
sometimes we wish they played a little bit more aggressive, but that comes with trying to figure out what they're, what they're doing. So these guys, if anything, have overachieved just by the simple fact that imagine it's happening to any other team in the country. Imagine any other team in the country, you've got your starting, you got your, you got your main three, and then you're struggling trying to put guys out there on the floor to play with them. Uh, it's kind of like a coach's nightmare. Yeah, Coach Benheim has embraced it and still put guys out there that are competitive. That coming from Roosevelt Bowie Jr., Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum. And, Rosie, you make a point there. You know, there's 351 Division One men's basketball schools, and you say, you know, you put anybody in that situation. You know, you put Coach K in a situation where he's got five or six guys. You put Tom Izzo with five or six guys. You put, you know, John Calipari with five or six guys. I mean, it is it is a true statement. I mean, Syracuse is going up against teams, and I just mentioned it with Wake Forest today. Wake can go to 11 or 12 guys deep. They could play six or seven guys off the bench. They get they get quality minutes, almost almost thirty minutes from some of these people that are coming off their bench. The last time they played Syracuse, they're getting double digit scores from these guys. They're getting three point bucket makers from these guys. So I mean, Syracuse to be at nineteen and twelve after the regular season, going up against teams that have a bench. I mean, I look at the Florida State game where they lost in double overtime in Tallahassee. Florida State had 45 points from their bench. Syracuse had nine, which means that that they had to rely so heavily on their bench because Syracuse's starting five had almost won that game in the by after going through 40 minutes of regular play plus an extra period and a second extra period. Florida State needed every single bit of their bench to beat five guys on Syracuse's team. So I mean, I, I think that that's tremendous. And I always point back to that game going, they needed almost 50 points from their bench to beat Syracuse in double overtime. And we're talking about a team that some people don't respect, where Florida State, if they didn't have that bench, which Syracuse didn't, the game's over. Syracuse didn't have the bench, and they're still making it happen. They scored less than a quarter of the points from bench to bench, and they brought it into double OT. And I just feel like, you know, as much pressure as the starting five has gotten, when you look at a stat like that, Rosie... And what Syracuse's starting five goes goes to do against a team on the road, mind you, that's that's got 10, 11, 12 guys. I mean, that's something to be respected. And I know they lost the game, but five guys were trying to beat 12 guys, and they almost did it in that scenario. Well, I, have a, I have another uh, thing that I should point out. Before they lost guys, they were still a very young team, heavy, heavily, depending heavily on freshmen and players coming out to play for the first year. So we're not even talking about we're not even talking about about a, a full blown full blown team like Shevsky has or, or one of the other coaches in the league has to start out with before the injury started. So it's uh what they, what they've done has been, been quite amazing. Yeah, you know, they, they've definitely done some good things. And, Rosie, I want to talk to you about where they're at right now. I know that you joined Dale Shackelford and I for some of our pregame shows this season, and I thank you for that. We had some nice roundtable discussions, and we continue to have those discussions now. I consider Syracuse's key victories this season as follows. You know, you can you could say what you want about the Big Ten in, in Maryland and kind of where Maryland's at 
right now. If we take a look at Maryland this season, they're 19 and 13, so they're you know right where Syracuse is. They didn't win the Big Ten tournament, you know that that went to Michigan. So Maryland's you know obviously in trouble and, and most likely playing in the NIT. But outside of that, we look at uh, a win at Georgetown in overtime. We look at a win against Buffalo, and we and Buffalo is going to make the NCAA tournament. This year, we look at a win over Virginia Tech, who defeated Virginia is Virginia's only loss in the ACC, and they took down Duke recently. We look at uh, splitting with BC, who's still a dangerous team, winning at Louisville, winning at Miami, and then beating Clemson. Syracuse got a lot of quality wins out of their 19, which has got them at 19 and 12. What do you think about where they're at right now and what they've done in their schedule so far what can you say about the resume that they've built up to this point well the uh the, looking at it from a player's point of view they they only had to said one goal go out there and play as best they could and stay in as many games as possible and steal games as they could because you gotta remember they're still playing they're playing short-handed and so the, the, the fact that they're uh that they're where they are now is is positive, and it's also these kids have not asked for anything from anyone. They've gone out and they've gone after it. So I just see them being um, where they are right now. They should be, you know, no one should be happy, but everybody, everything that they've got right now, they've, they've gone out and earned themselves. So I would keep my head up and go out there and try to ruin somebody else's day. And when you look at that, you know, ruining somebody's day, so to speak, I mean, that's what this team has been able to do. And just, you know, what you can say about, you know, how how they've been in some of these games, it's hard to go to Coral Gables and win against Miami, who I still think under Jim Laranega doesn't get the respect they deserve. It's hard to go to the KFC Yum Center and win in Louisville. It's hard to defeat a team like Clemson, who's played so well this season and is in one of the top four seeds of the ACC tournament and they won't play until the third day in Syracuse you know Syracuse is able to do these big time things and win these big time games I know that you know 20 is the is is the number that people always point to that the committee needs to see and this that and the other but at the same time I mean this Syracuse team has overachieved expectations in my opinion and like you said, they haven't asked anything from anybody. They've just gone out and played. Is this one of the most impressive teams that you've seen as of late with Syracuse as far as not having the respect, not having the depth, and still finding a way to win? Is it fair to say that they have impressed you this season? Well, I would, I would say they've, they've impressed me. Uh, any team that's when you get guys that come in to play at Syracuse, you've got to get players that are not going to give up. So I would say – Rather than impressed is what I expected from them and the players that the coach they, they have recruited. Now, if they want to, they want to stop being impressive, tell them when the ACC tournament. So, <laughs> it, it, you know, I try to say, well, I'm trying to say, Bill, you don't want to give out too many kudos for doing something that they should, is what they were, that, that's their job. They go to school and they, they go out there and win games. Speaking here, Roosevelt Bowie Jr., Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum, and what we've done for the last three years, including this year, this is our third doing it, is that every single day of championship week that we're live on location for the ACC tournament, we have a former Syracuse player, if not multiple Syracuse players, on each of the broadcasts. 
So we're starting off that streak this year with Dale Shackelford and Roosevelt Bowie Jr. You heard from Dale, now you're hearing from Rosie. Rosie, what do they have to do, in your opinion, to get into the NCAA tournament? I think they have to. I mean, they're at 19 wins right now. I think they got to win two. If they beat Wake Forest and they beat North Carolina, they're 21 and 12. There's no question in my mind they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. How do you see things? Because there's obviously more work to do. I don't think the committee is going to let them in right now at 19 and 12. And unless this is a, a big time, you know, 20 point victory over Wake, I don't see how they look at this one and say, well, that gets them in because they're four and 14 in the ACC and. 11 and 19 overall. I know I'm asking you to prognosticate a little bit, and I know you always pick Syracuse, but to look at this from an impartial point of view, what do you think they need to do to have that ticket punch to the NCAA tournament? Win games. That's, that's the top line. I mean, everybody can you can try to figure out what you know all the numbers and stuff. That's what that's what everybody else does. What Syracuse needs to do right now is stay focused on on getting a win, and to get a win, what they have to do is come out, play aggressive, take advantage of the fact that they're, uh, you got a lot of young guys on the team, you can beat experience with just all-out effort. So they should go out there and play, knowing that they're young, knowing that they can recuperate after a short period of time, and leave it all on the court. You don't want to walk away from this saying, man, if I just give a little bit more, we've gone a little bit farther, so... That's what I think. And we, we look at this. I mean, we're stepping into this this day one, Rosie, with a bunch of old Big East teams on the docket here. And I've chosen the old Big East to win today in the first round of the ACC tournament. And, and that is BC defeating Georgia Tech, in my opinion. Notre Dame and Pitt are both of the old Big East. I picked Notre Dame with Bonzi Colson back. And Syracuse over Wake Forest to win that. What do you think about the old Big East in this? It's always going to be the old Big East inside of the ACC to me. So what is your take on the games that are coming up? And do you consider Notre Dame to be dangerous with Bonzi Colson back? And, and Boston College is a team that has defeated Duke, they've defeated Syracuse, they also lost to Syracuse. What do you think about BC in this thing? And, you know, these old Big East schools seem to have something left in the tank, and Louisville's got Florida State, and then they got another crack at Virginia who beat them at the last second. So it looks like we're setting up some big-time games potentially for the old Big East inside of the ACC. Well, I'm glad you looked at it that way because I could really care less. The, uh, <laughs> the, thing, that, the thing that I look, that I look at, you ask about Syracuse playing, I can tell you about Syracuse playing, what they needed to win. Uh, I can honestly say the first time I thought about what you just asked me was while you were saying it. So I have no, I have nothing knowledgeable that I can, that I can say about it. Just uh, just the fact that it, uh, it's good to see that old, old Big East teams are in there representing. And uh, what they have to do to win, they might want to go ask their own coaching fans. Looking at this Syracuse game that you've keyed in on for Wake Forest. Wake got the best of them in Winston-Salem. Syracuse got the best of them in Syracuse, New York. And now they're on neutral ground going up against each other. What did you take away from those Wake Forest games? Keys to victory for Syracuse. I have some thoughts on my mind. I mentioned Darrell Moore was open more than Wake Forest passed it to him, and he was very effective underneath. They got a deep bench and they have a bunch of different shooters that are more than capable from long range, and they proved that against Syracuse the last time they played them, where Syracuse won the game by eight, but Wake made it interesting with the three-point shots that came as of late. 
what are you taking away from from this matchup? And like you said, you could talk about what SU needs to do to win. So bring me into this matchup and what you'd like to see Syracuse do, maybe better than they've done before, and what they have going into this. Well, Syracuse has got to uh, what they've got to do is they've got they've got to play aggressive. You just can't get a, just can't get around it. If they, if they they're not talented enough to stand back and let every, every team do what they want to do, move the ball around. They've got to, they've got to force the issue a little bit. They got to trap. They got to trap inside the zone. Uh, they've got to make the other team rush, and that's that's one of the benefits. They can do so by by their intensity, their length, and knowing where to be on the floor. That will be a big benefit to that. Also, um, as, I, as I always say, I think that they've got to start. It's a good time, no time like the present, to start looking to get a little bit more and looking for your inside players a little bit more. Nobody will expect this. Turkey hasn't done it all year. Since your guys up, you've been playing with them for over 20 games, so you know what they like. You know how they're most effective. It's uh, they're they're your teammates. You want to put them in the best situation to score. So find ways to get points out of Tafatuku. Um, find ways to get points out of uh, Maragoda because they are capable of doing it. Not in every situation, but if you set them up properly, which which is easily done, because everybody's going to be waiting for Frank. Frank and uh, Titus to, to take the shot so they can draw attention to themselves and set Pascal up with a real nice alley you for five where he doesn't have to catch, he doesn't have to bring it down, just catch and dump it. He, he's, he's shown that he can do that time and time again. He's been carrying his weight in the rebounding section around the basket, so that's good. The other three, you got, you got to get more points out of the bench. And, they're, 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 and I wouldn't say that they weren't capable of doing it, but they are very much capable of getting more points out of the bench. And, you know, you being a, a former big man for Syracuse, Rosie, just what you can say about Pascal's game, because there's moments where Pascal does some nice things, and then there's those head-scratching moments where he wants to put the ball on the floor and he wants to dribble it or whatever it may be, and that's where the scrappy guards are able to take it away. And Joel Berry did it recently here in a game where Syracuse was neck and neck with North Carolina, who if they beat Wake Forest, they would see once again this season, and they'd see him here in the second round of the ACC tournament. Just what you could say about Pascal, what you've seen out of his game that you like, and what you would like to see him adjust in his game, what advice you would give to him? Well, the, the playing, the, playing the close position is pretty, it's pretty tough because you've got to learn, unlike the, unlike the play of the guards, you're doing everything, the guards do everything outside when they're playing in room, playing in space. They're going to have to do what they're going to do on the inside. Well, your, your movements have to be pretty much um, memorized. You have to know what you're going to do when you get the ball and go out there and do it. So I would say that I, I like what he's done. He started out being a terrible foul shooter, and he is, you know, he's, he's actually won games with his foul shooting. He's improved there. He is very dynamic. He gets back. When he stays, even if he gets in a foul trouble, when he's on the floor, he's the president. There's nobody taking advantage of Syracuse on the inside. So just doing those things there. Those are those are positive things that he does that nobody else can do on the floor. I would say take take time take time and set him up in a proper situation because as, as a lot of people don't know, but when when a pass is missed, it's fifty percent the fault of the guy that didn't catch it, and fifty percent the fault of the guy that threw it. So having played with great point guards in the past, um, 
you can set your player up. That's your job to know your teammate. You can set your player up in a situation where he can be successful. And, and when you do those kind of things, everybody's got their own fault for, for mistakes and messing up. But we don't look at that. We look at what they can do to be to uh, help them to score. And that's what. I, and, I, and I'm sure that Scott Scholar is, is capable of doing it. We've seen him do it time and time again. If you can do it in spurts, you can be consistent at it with practice. And speaking here with Roosevelt Bowie Jr. about Syracuse and Syracuse moving forward here. They're playing in the first round of the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament, and we're live on location down here in Brooklyn, New York, and we'll be seeing them at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and hopefully you'll be seeing them too. So, you know, when we look at, you know, Rosie, like you said about Pascal, you know, what he needs to do. and what We look at this last game against Clemson, and he had not one but two big-time blocks uh, Adrian Autry called it, you know, a, a game-changing part. You know, the, the, that was the game-changer. He said the momentum, we could feel it, was about to swing in the direction of Clemson, and he took that away. He blocked a shot once, and then the second time, he sent that thing almost into the rafters to join Lawrence Moton's jersey. So we know that he can block shots. And then, like you said, he wins games at the free-throw line. He's seven foot two. He makes two free-throws down the stretch. So he's able to do something like that. We see the fact that, you know, he can he could do some big-time things. He played with four fouls and didn't foul out of the game. So a lot of the things you just brought up, he did all of those things against Clemson. So, you know, for Pascal, it seems like when it comes to the big men of Syracuse, somebody's always making a comment about they all have bad hands and they suck at catching the ball and this, that, and the other. But you got to look at moments for Pascal that if he didn't block those two shots, if he didn't hit those two free throws, and if he didn't stay in that game with four fouls, any one of those things could have changed the game and swung it away from Syracuse. So I think that we need to really look into some of these things that Pascal is doing and, and some of the keys to victory that you said and know that three of those things happened in one game just a couple days ago. Yeah, see, uh, you know, he, when, uh, when I hear somebody talk about uh, the hand that a big man has, you know, you got to remember, for Pascal, for Pascal to be successful, he's not out there to score. He can change the game by blocking a shot, by, by cleaning the boards, by just his sheer presence on the floor. So, you hear people talk about how he doesn't have a good hand. First thing I say is, you know, it's talking about. He, there's things you, you got to remember. Everybody else says, when you catch the ball, when you, when you, when you move with the ball, the guards out front, they've got the closest man to them. you got one man playing them, and you have a basketball court around them. When Pascal gets the ball, he's the center of of attention. He's in a small space with the biggest players and the quickest players on the floor. So naturally, the difficulty factor is going to be much higher. So I say, though, for him, don't get discouraged. You know, keep working hard. Work, uh, do it. It seems very easy for him to play defense, block shots, and rebound. I would say the next step is like what Coach Behan told me after my first year. Keep, uh, you know, Keep working on your, on your defense, uh, running the floor, being very active. And anything you do on the offensive end, uh, it cherries on top of the cake. So I see, I see Pat Claus being in the same place. Work on your offense. I want to work on my offense. The thing about big men, to work on your offense, you don't cut to the basket every now and then when you're open. As a big man, you got to cut to the basket every single time because your cut to the basket will also set you up for in a great rebounding position. So the fact that he'll you can get him in the habit to posting 
from time to get position under the basket from time to time will make him more unpredictable and lead more and lead to a success on offense. The lack of boxing out, Rosie, has been an issue for the team this season. And obviously, at seven foot two, you take up a lot of space underneath. Just what you could say about, you know, what you've seen from that aspect of it boxing out and, and making sure that you grab the offensive rebound. You know, a lot of times Syracuse comes down the floor, they shoot that shot up, and, and after they heave it up in the air, they're they're already going down the court. And, and a lot of the times that ball will bounce back to you, which will drive a coach insane, is the ball bounces off and straight back to the position you were in if you had stayed there before going down the court. So, I mean, there's, there's those opportunities of the long rebounds. There's boxing out underneath. And there's, you know, Syracuse giving up numerous second-chance opportunities in games this season that have led to their demise and almost did against Clemson. So just what you could say about boxing out and what you've seen from that perspective because Syracuse has moments where they could pull off some pretty good rebounds. And we know that Moyer can grab it. We know that Pascal can get a rebound. We know that O'Shea Brissett can do some good things. We know that Marek Dolajai loves getting after the ball. But there is an issue with... Syracuse on both sides of the floor, not boxing out and and not attacking and going after a shot even after they take it, whether or not they think it's going in. Just what you could say about that side of it. I mean, you're a former big man. You know that you made your hay with rebounding, and when you rebound that basket, you got a high percentage shot nine times out of ten, and when you rebound it at the other end, you're canceling out possession opportunities for the other team. Syracuse is in games where they lose games in the trenches there. Just what you could say about being in the trenches and what they need to do from here. Well, uh, first of all, if you're talking about shots being taken and the, uh, and, and the and the shooter not following the ball, then you're talking about the big three. You're not talking about Pascal and you're not talking about uh, Dolezal because all they do is chase the ball. So you're talking about the other big three. The big three has to, has to follow this shot because there's nobody that knows that the shot is short or going to miss before the shooter. So he should be the key person chasing that shot. And then when he's chasing that shot, he's always got to be balanced on the floor so that the uh, the other guy out front doesn't let anybody leak out for a long pass and a layup. So it's all uh, one hand washes the other. You're talking about rebounding. Rebounding is never, is, is, is almost never the fault of the big guys. Especially this year because they go they they get after everything. The problem is when you shoot shots that are not that are off balance that your team doesn't expect, it's very difficult for the for the uh, for the base to get the rebound, especially because a guy moving towards the ball will get the ball nine times out of ten over a guy standing still. So the fact is that when the shots are taken, even if you're not moving to get the ball, you have to be stepping in someone's way to keep them from getting to the basket. So if you shoot the ball and you're not chasing it, step in the way of somebody that's moving to the basket to get the ball. Don't let them go past you with a step and have a better chance of getting a rebound than your big man that's going towards the ball or your bigs that are going towards the ball. Yeah. Uh, it, rebounding takes five people. It takes all five people to uh, to do so because you got you got the guard, you got to stop the best. The guys with the best chance of rebounding are going to be the guys coming down from the foul line or coming from the outside. So what we used to do, Marty Head and Hal Cohen and Ed Moss were some of the best at stepping in the way and not giving them an open pass to the, to the basket. You want more rebounds, get your uh, guards to box out a little bit more, and then after they box out, they'll find it if it's a 
bad shot or a long shot, the ball will come right back to them. That coming from Roosevelt Bowie Jr. And yeah, you know, I mean, obviously there's guys that are running to the basket that need to be boxed out. There was a play against Notre Dame where they came down the lane and nobody boxed out the guy that was running behind him and he was able to get that shot. So that is an issue. But like you said, if you're looking at those long rebounds and those deep shots, Pascal has done a good job of going after it. There was one time where he ran out into the visiting bench and over the bench and into the crowd to go after the ball. And Marek Dolajai is one of the best players that I've seen in Syracuse in recent history that has a nose for the ball in the sense of wherever that ball is, he's going to run after it and go get it. But yeah, the long rebounds, the Frank Howard threes, the O'Shea Brissett shots, the Tyus battle, you know, Tyus is notorious for shooting the ball and going down the court like it's good every time. And it wasn't good every time for Michael Jordan. So you have to be willing to get after it and attack a little bit more. And I think if the guards had some more rebounds in the statistical categories from game to game, we're talking about something different. So, yeah, there is boxing out inside. There is some moments there. And like you said, the guys moving around, it is a five-person effort. And I think that, you know, that would have changed a lot of games for Syracuse by minimizing possessions on one side and maximizing their place on the other side. Because the offensive rebounding side of things is, I mean, you're not going to make every single shot, and you're definitely going to make 0% of the ones that you don't take, and a lot of those were left on the floor from long rebounds that guys didn't chase down or at least stay there for. With that being and said... I can, also, I, I can also tell you that uh, it, it's, when, uh, when, when you talk about these things, these are things that they should talk about amongst themselves because it'll help them, especially if you're playing a lot of minutes, Doing some of the, paying attention to some of the smaller details can keep you from having to run, from having to run more. You follow the shot in, even if you can't get the rebound, you're following the shot in, you're looking at your rebound, and you can't get it, you tip it to your rebounder. Because most rebounders are in rebound mode, they don't care how the ball gets to them, they'll go after and they'll take it. So you can save yourself a lot of running around just by, if you hustle for two steps, you can save yourself nine to four feet of running. Yeah, that coming from Roosevelt Bowie Jr. You know, you obviously this team has some work to do and some things to go forward. They have impressed. I think we can agree on that at 19 and 12. They've done some very good things. They've worked very hard to get to where they are today. And now they have an opportunity to control, once again, their own destiny as far as where they want to go and if they want to go to this NCAA tournament that's coming up here. So it'll be very interesting to see. This is the last time they're going to be in Brooklyn for a bit. So definitely want to show out in your home state as Syracuse and Pitt and other teams of the old Big East BC. You know, this is this is kind of nice for them to have Brooklyn as opposed to having Greensboro, which is, you know, right down the road from Duke and North Carolina and whatnot. It'll be an eventful tournament no matter what, and Roosevelt Bowie Jr. will never be a stranger to the show. Rosie, as always, I appreciate all the insight and everything you have to say. Are there any final words, any final comments you want to make about Syracuse moving forward before we wrap up? Well, all i got to say is the guys, they've, they've, they've come through a lot. They've done a lot of difficult things. Hey, you're right there knocking at the door. Why stop now? Keep it going. Your destiny lies in their hands. That coming from Roosevelt Bowie Jr. Rosie, as always, I appreciate it, and I thank you for being a part of the show. Say hi to the niece for me, and I want to know who she's picking in the NCAA tournament because I'm going to go with her bracket maybe. Hey, she's picking She's picking her uncle, so whatever I say, she does, so she's picking Syracuse. <laughs> 
All right, fair enough. I should have known better than that than to make that comment, knowing that she's not picking her uncle, who's always picking her up and having a good time with her. Rosie, as always, I, I appreciate your time. I look forward to talking with you soon, and God bless, okay? Have a good day, and I'll talk with you in just a little bit. All right, bye. Take care. That coming from Roosevelt Bowie Jr., we're going to take a really quick step aside and round out the show with ingredients to success in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or a wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Penn and Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn and Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, live on location from Brooklyn, New York, all week long from Tuesday, March 6th to Saturday, March 10th, and in coverage of Championship Week and the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament. First round is today, and once again for this round, we will see the likes of Boston College taking on Georgia Tech in the first game at noon. Then we will see Notre Dame take on Pittsburgh in the second game a little after 2 p.m. Eastern time, and then the nighttime game will be 7 p.m. Eastern time as Syracuse will take on Wake Forest and all of them in hopes of advancing in this ACC tournament and needing some life. BC has some work to do. Notre Notre Dame has some work to do. Syracuse has some work to do. If 
Wake Forest is to win. They would have to win this entire tournament, in my opinion, in order to move forward. Pittsburgh is not going to be moving forward in this thing. Georgia Tech has a lot of work to do, but BC has some quality wins and has some life. Notre Dame has their big man, Bonzi Colson, back, and Syracuse is on the cusp. So, And I'm going with all these teams. The old Big East is taking day one. I'm going with Syracuse, BC, and Notre Dame. I understand that going for Notre Dame is going against another old Big East team, but you got to pick one of them. So I'm picking those three to win in the first round of the ACC tournament, Syracuse over Wake, BC over Georgia Tech, and Notre Dame over Pittsburgh in day one. The Old Big East takes day one of the ACC tournament, in my opinion. So it'll be interesting to see what happens as we move forward from here. Ingredients to success. How about that? Let's get into that. Brought to you by Utica Pizza Company. Utica Pizza Company is located on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, right by the Sweetheart Corners. They are available for you for pickup as well as delivery and catering by calling 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. You can also find them right on location and get some food there. I did that right before I left for the tournament. I didn't want to have to miss Utica Pizza Company more than I was already going to miss them. So I had lunch there yesterday before I took the flight to come down here to BK. So 628 South Main Street, North Syracuse, New York. Go get lunch for yourself today and try the wake-up call number one pick, Chicken Riggy Pizza. It'll change your life. So make sure you get out there and get that today. It was I was channeling my inner Dave Chappelle, but I'm very hungry discussing Utica Pizza Company, and I left my half a meatball sub to my wife yesterday, so she got to, I got sent a text message, she said, thank you so much for that, and I was like, yeah, you're welcome, I was like, well, I'm crying, you're enjoying it, but it's all good, as long as my, as long as my wife's happy, I'm good with it, so that's, that's what it comes down to, you want the wife to be happy, because she's an amazing person, and always good to me, so thank you, thank you very much to the wife. With that being said, Thank you so much for tuning into today's show, and let's get into the ingredients to success. We discussed it with Dale Shackelford as well as Roosevelt Bowie Jr., and we're going to discuss Syracuse in their twofold ingredients to success. First one is how do they beat Wake Forest? Well, they have to look for Darrell Moore underneath. Moore is a very, very strong player in the sense of what he can do underneath, turning and slamming that ball down. He's ferocious, he's tenacious, he's aggressive, he's physical, and they did not look for him enough, and they lost that game 78 to 70 when they face Syracuse the second time around this season, and that one was inside the Carrier Dome. So the smartness of it, you know, if you want to be smart in this game and hip to the game, they need to look for him more. Syracuse needs to make sure that if they do look for him more, that they're going to, that they are going to front him and be effective. Pascal Chuku has to stay out of foul trouble because his blocks are game changers, as we know, against Clemson. He's, you know, him getting fouled, put him on the free throw line. He's got to continue to make those free throws. Those are other ingredients to success for this game. Frank Howard and Tyus battle to not play hot potato and work in O'Shea Brissett as well as Marek Dolajai and some other guys into this game. They have to do to teams what teams do to them. In order to beat the 2-3 zone, they just they just pass the ball around like hot potato until they feel like somebody's got a good shots and they get Syracuse to lag a little bit. Any team that can pass the ball quickly and efficiently is going to beat Syracuse. Syracuse at least a few times down the floor, if not multiple times. Syracuse needs to use the best Madison that's against them for them, and they need to pass that ball around, work it inside, set screen, set picks, act like you're a team actually, and play five guys on offense and not just one or two, and see how that's helped you to win games. Marek Dolajai gets involved in the Clemson game. They beat Clemson. Syracuse loses these games when it's hot potato, with Tyus and Frank, and it's just who's going to take the shot. 
And Frank, you know, in the Clemson game, there was at least two possessions where he held the ball to the last second and just chucked up a terrible shot. They got to work the ball around. You have to trust your teammates, and Bayheim has to have that verbiage in the huddle and say, yeah, you might want the ball to go to Tyus. I want the ball to go to Frank. Like Adrian Autry told me, we want we want the shot to be from one of those two guys at the end of the game. Okay, that's understandable. We all get that. But guess what? If you don't want to have to take a shot at the end of the game to win it, why don't you work the ball around more? Why don't you involve more people, do more things? And those are the, I mean, to me, those are the moments that mean more. Those are the things that can get you more. I don't want Syracuse to be in a position, if I'm Syracuse, I don't want to be like, well, who's going to take the last shot for us? Because that means that we're in a point right now where we've tied the game, we're losing the game, or we're winning by a point or whatever it may be. I want to win these games, and I want to win them convincingly. I don't want to put it into the hands of somebody at the last second and hope to Jesus that the shot goes in, because sometimes it does, and a lot of the times it doesn't. So I think that they have to involve everybody on offense. You have to feed these guys. O'Shea Brissett cuts to the basket, and he's running around. His defender's on the inside. He's on the outside. He runs and cuts right to the basket, puts his hands up, and nobody's even looking at him. Frank Howard had his head down. So you got to look at for each other. you got to work the ball around. I'm saying things that sound like you would learn when you're five years old playing basketball, but Syracuse needs to do these things. They have to box out. They have to follow the long rebounds. They have to stay after they take a three-point shot and not just think that it's going in every single time. They have to be physical and vivacious. They have to run like crazy in the 2-3 zone. I understand that the majority of these guys are playing 40 minutes, but this is no news to you. It's not like somebody just went down from injury. You've been playing 38 to 40 minutes every single game, O'Shea, Frank, Tyus. So your conditioning should be at a point right now where you're – capable of doing this after 31 games you should be more than capable of being out there the entire time so you got to run around on offense the 2-3 zone any zone zones have gaps zones have swiss cheese moments the swiss cheese moments are condensed and minimized by how fast somebody will run to the ball how fast somebody will shift how quickly they will move and get their hands out that's how you be effective in a 2-3 zone you put your hands out to the sides you put your hands up top When somebody's looking to pass the ball up top, you have your hands up. When they're looking to bounce pass it or bring it over to the wing or whatever that may be, you put your hand in the passing lane, you shift your body. If you can't slide quickly and effectively, the 2-3 zone is a bust. So they have to do all those things. They have to box out. They have to go after long rebounds. They have to front these guys down low, and they cannot give up the baseline. If you give up the baseline to someone like Darrell Moore, you know that Wake Forest watched that film and Danny Manning had everybody in the film room after they lost by eight to Syracuse. And what you see on that film is, oh, my God, he was open. 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 Look at what North Carolina did with the back door. Look at what North Carolina did with the alley-oop. Syracuse leaves the baseline open. They let guys cheat behind them for these high-percentage shots and a lot of the times dunks. So you have to make sure that you're watching the baseline, that you know where all five people are. I know you're not playing man-to-man, but you got to know where guys are because they will send a ghost that will cheat back and forth on the sides of Pascal or Marek, and those guys are left wide open, and more was more than they gave him the ball. So they got to look out for moments like that and be prepared for moments like that. With that being said, ingredients to success of how Syracuse gets into the tournament, the NCAA tournament that is, Win this game and beat North Carolina, you're in without question. 
but you got to win this game first. I think that they do. I feel like this will be this will break their losing streak of not winning in the ACC tournament. I believe they get a victory today over Wake Forest. I don't believe it's going to be easy. I think they got to get out fast and early. And I think Syracuse in the fast break, and, and you can copy and paste this with any season, when Syracuse gets out in the fast break and they have those thunderous, thunderous dunks and those attacking moments at the basket, that is where this team becomes very dangerous and looks tournament worthy. So let me just say the truth of it all. And the truth of it all is that Syracuse, in fast break situations, Syracuse getting out and getting after it early, this is how Syracuse helps themselves. Because I spoke on the defense and boxing out and whatnot. Offensively, got to get those fast break opportunities, got to steal the ball away, got to be very effective on defense and get those high percentage shots. Because Syracuse, when they get into the open court, just like any other team, and they're dunking the ball, laying it in for those high percentage takeaways, those are the moments where you look at a team and, and they take wind out of your sails more than anything else. Yeah, a team hits a three and a three and a three and a three, and that is effective and it's upsetting. But when a team gets out and they just embarrass you, stealing that ball away and getting down the court and taking care of business, those are the moments that take the wind out of your sails. And Syracuse has to be the one taking the wind out, not being the one that's trying to sail as the wind is blowing you over. That is the ingredients to success. Proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company. Get over there today, 628 South Main Street, North Syracuse, New York. Get some pizza for me. Try the wake-up call number one pick, Chicken Riggy Pizza for me. I can't get it until Sunday, so I need you to get it today, okay? I have to I have to be sad without it. You don't have to be sad without it. So if you're drooling and, and you're <laughs> if you're ready for lunch, ready for dinner, ready for, you know, to watch that game tonight and you want to order, 315-214-3060 is a number to call. And 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York is the place to go to right by Sweetheart Corners. God bless to each and every single one of you. I got to get ready for these games coming up today. Follow me on Twitter at CallDT, Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT, Facebook at WakeUpCallDT, and in the on WakeUpCallDT.com. If you go to the fan cave inside of Who's DT, so you go to the Who's DT, Who's DT tab, and you'll go to the fan cave. That if you don't have Facebook, you don't have Twitter, that'll provide live updates for you and a live thread for you with or without Facebook or Twitter because I put the feeds and embedded them right onto the website so that you can follow me whether you have social media or not. So make sure you do that. I'll be here all throughout the entire thing. We're in Brooklyn all week long, all the way through Saturday. So we're going to give you a bonus show on Saturday. And former Syracuse players every single day will be here on the broadcast. So thank you to Dale Shackelford and thank you to Roosevelt Bowie Jr. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Wednesday, March 7th, I'll be joined by Gene Waldron, Lawrence Moten, and Ryan Blackwell. And then so on and so forth from there. I want to thank Utica Pizza Company for ingredients to success. And I want to congratulate once again and thank Mike Wheeler for being a part of the show as they head for for the NJCAA National Tournament for OCC Lasers Women's Basketball. Have a great day. God bless. And stay close to wakeupcalldt.com.